0: We're going to talk about work. I remember the very first time that I learned that work is hard. I remember I was a teenager, and the job I had was digging a ditch, a trench in the ground with just a flat shovel, and it was about this deep and about this wide, covered with roots. It took me three days, and after three days of backbreaking labor, my hands were worn raw. The handle of the shovel was stained in my own literal blood, sweat, and tears, I got done, and I came to my father, and I said, Dad, that was so hard. And he looked at me and said, Yup, son, work sucks. And that was it. That was, that was all, and I learned, wow, sometimes work can be really frustrating. Do you ever get frustrated with work? Do you ever look at everything you're doing and just go, Oh, that's so hard. And sometimes when you look to others, they just go, Yep. <laughs> work is frustrating. Yeah, work can be incredibly frustrating. You do a whole bunch of work and then that other person claims it all as their own. That <laughs> you get overlooked for promotions while doing the right thing, but people that are dishonest continue to find favor in the eyes of leadership. That issue that you raise over and over and over again with HR just gets dismissed, swept under the rug, and yet someone sneezes to offend that one person at work, and everybody hears about it. (laughs) That person that you thought was your friend betrays you in the name of office politics. You notice that there's different care given to different employees. It can be frustrating, (laughs) And remember last week, as Ray started our series about work, work isn't just in the in your job. Work can be in, in your neighborhoods as you try and tie people together and build relationships with your neighbors, only to be offended that people show up to either too late or too early or not at all. Or maybe you're working in the home with kids. Hi, I'm looking at all you in the Twinkles area. <laughs> Maybe you're there with kids. Are kids ever frustrating? I think we may have heard the amen from here. Yes. (laughs) It can be frustrating with kids as well. We're going to talk about today how frustrating work can be. Anybody frustrated at work right now? Well, we know you are. You're just too afraid to raise your hands. Because we did a survey, and our survey said, uh, one of the questions in the survey we did, this is people at fellowship that I am satisfied in my job and will not move companies. You know, one third of everybody here is thinking of leaving their job right now, which means if it's not you, it's the person to your left or the person to your right, (laughs) which means if you have employees, one third of your employees right now are looking for a way out, man, Isn't it frustrating when you find the right employee and things seem to be going really well and then they leave? Work can be frustrating. We're going to talk today about why work is frustrating. We're going to see it's the conditions we work in, uh, it's who we work with, and, and really it's why we work. We're going to touch on that later. So let's pray as we get into God's word. And in God's word, what we are going to see is we are going to see a response so much better from our heavenly father than, yeah, work is frustrating. We're going to see the better way, a way out of this frustration. So if you've come here today frustrated with work, the people you work with, or uh, trying to find work, God has some answers for you. Let's get into what God has to say. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have taught us, how you have shaped us, how you've brought us to this point, whether it's right here and now in the main area or if it's online watching or in a different room. Father, you speak to us in your word. What you have to say to us is timeless. May you give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Okay, so why is work frustrating? It's frustrating because you work in a frustrated situation. You work in a frustrated situation. Uh, Not just the business, no, I mean humanity, the the world, it's a frustrated situation. In fact, in our survey, somebody said in an open response, they said, why does work have to be so hard? While it often takes a miracle to find joy in it. Anybody find joy in your job? Raise your hand if you love your job. You, you love work. You find joy in your work. All right. Guess what? It's not going to last. <laughs> it's not going to last. We laugh because we know it's true. Even if you love it now, you're going to hate it later. And that's about it. See you later. No. <laughs> and we're going to see why we work in a frustrated situation. In Genesis, I love Genesis uh, chapter two. Ray talked about it last week and notice that God created humanity to work. There's dignity in work. Let's read Genesis two, verses seven and nine. We're We're gonna read it. Here we go. Genesis two, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Skipping ahead a little bit to Genesis 3, you know that the the woman saw the fruit, the woman ate it, and so did the man. You see, the reason that they knew when they had disobeyed God, they turned their backs on God, the creator and sustainer of the world, the very God that gave them everything. And they said, No, God, we know better. And then they realized that they were naked, exposed, that they were vulnerable they knew that they were living in a frustrated place because of their sin. Now, God shows the effects of separating themselves from him, humanity turning its back on God, and he, he explains through to the woman that there will be increased pain in childbirth. And then to the man, he says, because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, Uh, Just a a little hoot or holler, Uh, any women in the room, any any women that have given birth, is it painful? Is it? Like as painful as when I got a splinter in my finger yesterday? Okay, I heard that grumble. Uh. (laughs) It's painful, isn't it? The same pain, the same word is used for the curse of the man to say you will eat in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. A constant frustration, toil, thorns and thistles. You are going to have to scrape by just to make a living. Any gardeners out there? Anybody have a green thumb? You like plants? You like to garden? I have like the black thumb of death when it comes to plants. (laughs) I kill plants. And one of the things I hate about gardening is pulling weeds, picking up these noxious, these noxious plants that grow and try and choke out healthy life, especially with crops. And he says, it's going to be hard work just to get by. And the reason is that being separated from the creator of life leads to frustrated living. That when humanity turns our backs on the creator and sustainer of life, we walk into death and darkness. We have made work harder on ourselves. And notice, what's cursed isn't the work, it's the ground. There's still dignity in work, it's just harder than it should be. Last weekend, or two weekends ago rather, uh, we went with some friends to Snoopy Island in Fujera And in Snoopy Island, uh, it's an island that you can go around and you can snorkel and see all the fish and uh, sea life and it's fascinating. And so we borrowed a kayak from a friend and my son and I went out to this island paddling out there and I was paddling as hard as I could because he was just delighting in the time together. It was effortless as we were just skimming across the water. We got there, tied the boat up and we were snorkeling around the island and my arm was around him and his arm was around me as we stared at all of God's underwater creation. It was a delight. It was one of those moments as a father, I thought, oh, this is such connection with my son. This is a special moment. Mm. Oh my God, that's what it's like being connected with God. We got all we went all the way all the way around Snoopy Island, and then we got back into the kayak. And as we got back into the kayak, we threw all of our gear in there. And uh, I suggested to my son, "Hey, do you want to try paddling yourself? I'll swim behind you." And, and him being a teenager, he's like, "Yes, I'd love to try it on my own." I said, "Okay, great. Do you want me to show you how to do it?" And like all teenagers, he said, "No, no. <laughs> that's right. No, I got this, Dad. Okay." Uh, are you sure? Yes. <laughs> so I said, "Great." I started swimming along behind the kayak, and I look up to breathe, and it's—he's over here going in circles <laughs> with the kayak, going in circles, around and around and around, getting frustrated, right? Because it's not as easy alone as it was when we were going over there. And then I look over, and he's—the waves are pushing him further and further away as he's going in circles, <laughs> as he's going more and more in circles, and, and I said, "Hey." do you want help? The answer? Not yet. No, that's right. So, he, so then he, he figures it out and struggles through it. I was really proud of him. He, he figured out uh, more how to do it and, and we get back. And it reminded me that life is so much better when we're connected with our Heavenly Father. It's so much less frustrating when we're connected with our Heavenly Father. And if you have come here today And you think uh, you think that an increase in your pay, or another job, or finding a job, or when the kids grow up and they're not throwing up and changing diapers all the time—if you think that you will be content and less less frustrated with any of those things, guess what? You're still going to be frustrated by something else. If you've come here today and you're looking to embrace hope, know that it's not in a promotion, (laughs) no, it's not in a salary. No, the only hope we have is in a Savior, Jesus. So if you're in a frustrated situation right now, know that it's only Jesus that allows us to embrace hope. As we embrace hope, we see the good news in Genesis chapter 3 because even in Genesis chapter 3, before God curses uh, the woman and curses the ground, he gives us hope. He says that he'll put enmity between humanity and the serpent, between your offspring and her offspring. He says this to the serpent, and then it's great because he says, He shall bruise your he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The serpent will come out and bite the heel, but ultimately humanity, someone from the woman's offspring, will crush the head of the snake. That person That person that is the snake crusher, the head crusher, the one who has conquered death is Jesus. We see the promise of Jesus early on when things start to unfray. And and the man actually in the midst of cursing, the man finds hope in this because he names the woman, he names the woman Eve, which means living or life. That in the midst of death, He calls her life because he knows from her will come the ultimate snake crusher, Jesus. In fact, in Hebrews 2, we see this about Jesus. In Hebrews 2, well, Romans 16, you see on the slide, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In Hebrews 2, with verse 14, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise, that he partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. If you've come here today and you are looking for hope in anything, regarding your work, the only hope you'll have is Jesus. And without him, you are subject to lifelong slavery. So maybe today, maybe God has brought you here, and the only thing that you are here today to hear is that the only way to resolve your frustrated situation is to put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, come right over here. If you are here live with us in two seasons after the service, we'd love to pray with you. If you're watching online or later, just write in the chat section. I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Because the only hope we have is in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And for those of us that have said amen, we've put our trust in Jesus. And we know that he is the only way we can embrace hope in a frustrated situation. So why is work frustrating? Well, work is frustrating because we work in a frustrated situation, but we also work with frustrating people. We work with frustrating people. Is there anybody that has someone frustrating at work? One or two? You can't point. (laughs) Yeah, we work with frustrating people. There are coworkers that frustrate us. Oh, that one person, you know who I'm talking about? The boss. Oh, the boss. Someone says the boss. That's right. Who's? If you've ever been frustrated with your boss, you relate with this play that just happened in Dubai this week called Horrible Bosses. There's a couple of movies about horrible bosses too, I know. But it's so... So popular, I wanted to go see Horrible Bosses this week uh, to use as a sermon illustration. Uh, but guess what? The bosses are so horrible that it was sold out. There were no tickets available for Horrible Bosses. <laughs> In fact, someone from Creekside, our other location, who heard this message last week, wrote an email to me this week. And so I said, "Can I quote you?" And they said, "Yes, as long as you call me anonymous Filipina." So there's an anonymous Filipina. There's, there's, there's quite a few Filipinas at the church, so they're anonymous. Uh, they're one of our small group and uh, equipped course teachers. And she says this. She says, I was close to strangling my supervisor. <clears throat> I already committed this in, in my mind. I won't justify, but everything I do, she says, it doesn't seem to please my supervisor to the point where they even blame me for the rain or the change of weather. You thought you had a horrible boss. (laughs) Thank God. God knew exactly what I needed to hear. This morning, she says, I went to the office with a different outlook about my supervisor and my workplace. I'm more prayerful and less, less frustrated. He is a God who speaks. Our prayer is that you would go out this week transformed as well. Because we know that we work with frustrating people. In the survey, in the survey that we sent, there were so many things that that you said you were frustrated with at work. Uh, Racism and abuse from employers. Insensitive employers. Salary disparity based on nationality. Job insecurity. Just plain bad bosses. Office politics. The reason that your workplace is so frustrating is that it is packed with imperfect people. Even if you found a perfect workplace, if you went there, you would be bringing in imperfection (laughs) because you are imperfect as well. Maybe you are even one of the people that frustrates somebody else. In fact, that's because humanity, let me just paint a a role description of humanity. Here, Here, this describes humanity. Maybe it describes the people that you work with. Humanity does not seek God, loves the darkness, suppresses truth, is deceitful and desperately wicked, is born dead in sin, and is held captive by a love for sin. Does it sound like where you work? It should, because that, that's what humanity is like, apart from Jesus. In fact, some people are, are uh, very quickly offended And so we have to realize that humanity is broken. We're broken. You're broken. Your boss is broken. Your boss's boss is broken. Every single person on the face of the world is broken. And it's only through Jesus that we can find repair and restoration. And those of us that have been changed by Jesus, it's up to us to show that there is a better way. There is a different way, a way of wholeness in the midst of brokenness. I was talking with Marco Blankenberg, who is a member here at Fellowship. Hey, Marco, I see you right there, a couple rows back. And Marco said this. He works with intercultural teams. He's the director of KnowledgeWorks. And he says that there's a hidden honor-shame line in the sand. We can't see it, and we only discover it after it's been triggered. And here's one of the best antidotes against causing shame. Do right by people. So do the right thing even when no one is looking. Number two, honor people. Honor people when they're in front of you, but also when you are behind their back. Honor people. And then be empowering and life-giving to people. Are you known, if you're a Jesus follower, are you known at work as someone that is trustworthy, that will always do the right thing, even when no one's looking? Are you known as someone who is empowering and life-giving to the company? Are you known as someone that will always honor everybody, be honoring? Man, imagine with me if, if thousands of Jesus followers from fellowship and other churches went into the workplace and were known as employees that were trustworthy to always do the right thing, that would always honor and never speak poorly of others, and, and would always were known as empowering and life-giving vital parts of the company. That would transform work culture. It would transform culture, not because of how good you are, but because of how much Jesus has changed you. You see, we are utterly broken without Jesus. Isaiah 53 is this great promise of Jesus. And I love this. I love this passage of what it says. Isaiah 53 says this. is possible only in Jesus. So if you think about that horrible boss that you have, pray that your boss comes to know Jesus. Your boss is transformed, not just in the workplace, but in the heart. Not just for now during your employment, but for all eternity. And if you are out there and if you have a horrible boss, know that your boss here isn't really your boss here if you're a follower of Jesus. In fact, your ultimate boss is Jesus. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not just from a frustrated work environment, you'll be saved to the deepest part of who you are in your soul, which is so much more important than workplace satisfaction. <laughs> know that Jesus is your boss. Jesus is your boss. And if you know that Jesus is your boss, then you can wake up and face another day tomorrow morning. If you know that God is the one that is in control of your life, then you can wake up and know that no matter what you are told to do, you know what God has told you to do. You know, it's really clear in our survey of the level of different treatments based on where people are from. Whether you wanna call it salary discrepancy or you wanna call it injustice or you wanna call it racism, whatever it is, it is so incredibly clear that part of the workplace culture that fellowship uh, people face, that we face, is there is different treatment based on where you were born. Something you had no control over. None of us chose where we were born. That there are vastly different ways of being treated based on your gender or the color of your skin or the paperwork that you hold. And I have to tell you, that is 100% against God's heart that God's heart is for all nations, every tribe, every nation, every tongue to worship him, that every person is valuable to God equally, that Jesus died for all. And so I have to tell you, if you're facing a situation right now where you are underpaid or you are ignored and there's a great injustice happening, I want you to know that God sees that 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 is not okay. In fact, in talking with Pastor Barack about this, Pastor Barack, who's a friend, a pastor, he's an author. I don't know if you knew this, but he's actually a hip-hop artist. He's on an album. Ask him. Say, Barack, I I heard you're a rapper. Just lay down a beat and maybe he'll freestyle. I don't know. (laughs) But Pastor Barak says this uh, in in his tribal dialect. He says that there's this saying that the world has a hole in it, like a a, uh, clay pot that just as you're about to use it, you place it on the fire and it cracks and it's unusable. And Barak says there's nothing that we can do about the pot until we get another pot. And in some sense, as infuriating as that is, the only way that our broken world will be repaired is when Jesus comes back and it's remade. A new heaven and a new earth. So I want want you to know that if you are in a place right now and you're face to face with injustice, your brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we mourn with you and we say, yes, that's not the way it should be. God's family is different. But if you are in a position of authority, if you are in a place where you oversee one employee or you can make one decision, you shouldn't do something to right that wrong. You must. You must. Because as a follower of Jesus, with Jesus as your boss, it's up to you to shine light into darkness. Darkness to reflect God's justice and God's mercy and the value of every single human being. In Psalm 82, it says, to give justice to the weak and fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Isaiah 1 says to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. So whatever you do, I encourage you. I encourage you to speak up for the voices that go unheard, to shine the spotlight on so many that you that work in your company that don't get seen. You you shouldn't do something. You must do something. And you say, "I know," but if we had uh, equitable salary for everybody, that would really hurt the company bottom line. Well. What do you want to do? Hurt the company bottom line or disobey God's word? If you're in a position of authority and you can make decisions, live out your faith at work by making key strategic decisions that changes the company's culture. There was a man last week, after this message at Creekside, the same message you're you're hearing right now, and and he he started walking past me, and I could tell he didn't want to talk. And when I can tell he doesn't want to talk, I want to (laughs) talk. So he comes up to me, and he says, oh, I I said, hi, I'm Bill. And he says, yes, I know. (laughs) And I said, hey, I'm really glad you're here. And he said, I'm only going to give you one sentence of feedback for that talk. And I thought, oh, it's on. All right. (laughs) Not physically. I mean, verbally. I said, yeah, okay. What is it? And I was expecting him to launch against me in anger. I could tell he was either the owner of a business or had many employees. He says, that is exactly what I needed to hear. Because I've been here for four weeks and it seems like everybody tolerates such injustice. And as a follower of Jesus, I've already fired 50 of my 400 employees and intentionally hired people with different passports. He says, it's really hard to do the right thing. Thank you for that support. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing in his life. God is a God who speaks. So why is work frustrating? Work is frustrating because we work in a frustrated situation. Work is frustrating because we work with frustrated people. But also, work is frustrating because we can work for some pretty frustrating reasons. We can work for frustrating reasons. Ecclesiastes uh, tells the story of Kohelet, the the teacher. Uh, And this is reflecting on everybody that has uh, everything. Somebody that has everything It said that he worked, in Ecclesiastes 2, it says that he worked with his hands, and as he worked with his hands, he found that there was really nothing of value. It says, then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and the striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Maybe your job feels like that, that you just pursue and you work and you work and you work and nothing happens. Why do you work? We're gonna unpack that as the series unfolds, but let me just say, if you work for any other reason other than the dignity of work in God's glory, it's like you're trying to reach out and grasp a vapor, hold on to smoke. That promotion that you're looking for, that promotion that you think will make you less frustrated, just when you grab it, the next day, the next week, the month, the next year, you'll be grabbing for more. That job that you keep searching for, that situation you think is going to change in your home, you think, oh, when the kids stop vomiting everywhere and I have to stop changing diapers, oh, then parenthood will be really easy and less frustrating, and then they become teenagers, it's like grabbing after vapor. In fact, at the end of Ecclesiastes, in, in chapter 12, it says this, and this is really helpful. It says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So if you find yourself in a frustrating environment with frustrating people and you're working for frustrated reasons, uh, let me tell you, I've been there and nothing will satisfy, nothing will relieve the tension of frustration except for Jesus. One of the jobs I had wasn't just digging ditches, but another job I had was a bicycle mechanic. I worked as a mechanic to put myself through university. And I remember working as a mechanic so much that the tips of my fingers were rubbed raw and just repairing bicycle after bicycle. And there was this one bicycle I remember that kept coming in and I would fix it up and then it would go out and a couple weeks later it would come back and I'd repair it again and it would go out and I'd fix it and came back. And about the third or fourth time that happened, I thought, you know, (laughs) whatever I fix, this guy is going to break. My fingers hurt. And the company policy was there's a a one-month guarantee on repairs, so he's not even paying for any of this, and I'm not going to get paid to repair it. This is pointless, God. I just want to quit. And then as I'm talking to God, I said, okay, fear God and obey his commands. God, how can I use this for your glory? This is so frustrating. And then all of a sudden, I started to walk on the sales floor during my breaks, and then I was given more time of doing less mechanic work and more sales work, and I started selling a lot of bicycles. The next month, I sold even more, and the next month, even more, even more, and after a couple months, the management looked at me and said, what is going on? Well, why are you selling so many bicycles? I said, oh, well, I asked God what I should do here, and it's because I talked with God, and they went... Right. <laughs> and so the manager, Zequan, and the managing mechanic, Synth, Zequan and Synth, you get really colorful characters at bicycle shops. Uh, they said, Hey, uh, we want you to tell the people on our team all your tricks. And I said, Hey, I'm going to, but I'm going to talk about Jesus and I want to read from the Bible. And they said, Nope, you can just go back to repairing bikes. <laughs> So I said, okay, but then the next month people were coming to me saying, I'd like to buy seven bicycles. Here you go, and let me take the and the sales continued to grow, and it wasn't just the one location, it was the whole national company that took notice. And, and they're saying, What is going on? I said, Well, it's it's all because of God. And then Zequan and Synth had their mind changed by management that they should let me speak. <laughs> And so I spoke to the whole team that was there at the shop about Jesus, about stewarding the gifts that God has given us. And I got to read the Bible and talk about Jesus. It was encouraging, and I'm so glad that I didn't quit. So if you are in a frustrated situation, know that there are other people that are frustrated that desperately need to hear about Jesus. That until we get a new pot, until the world is remade, we will always have opportunities to point people to the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The one who gives ultimate repair. So as you wait for Jesus, as you go out into the workplace, find motivation biblically. Find your motivation from God's word. Speak the truth prayerfully, strategically. Shift culture strategically. Ask God, God, how can you use me to shift culture? And then continue in community, knowing that we are here together, supporting you in the workplace. God has placed you in your job, in your work for his glory. Ashley John, a friend, uh, he's one of our leaders here at Fellowship, he's one of our elders, he's also the director of Dunamis Communications, Uh, he says this, I said, Ashley, can you give us a, a quote to encourage us? And he said, do not compromise, stay the course. Everybody is not bad and there are many transactions conducted fairly. At some point you will be recognized for your integrity by your business associates Let them know why you don't want to compromise. It's an opening to share about your faith. So, fellowship, if you're watching online, if you're watching live here, why is work frustrating? Well, know that everybody is frustrated with work. Know that if you work in a frustrated situation, embrace hope. If you work with frustrating people, show grace. And if you work for frustrating reasons, check your motivation. Check your motivation. You are about to be sent off. I'm going to send this off with a prayer. You're about to be sent off into a workplace that desperately needs to hear about Jesus. So let's all stand. Let's all stand as we go out into the workplace. I'm going to send us off with this. Father, we right now thank you. We thank you that you have reminded us that only Jesus unravels the tension in our hearts, that only you can help us out. And so, Father, now as you send us out into the community, we pray that you would remind us of opportunities that you've given us to have strategic conversations God, help us. Whatever we do, whether it's the workplace, the home, neighborhoods, universities, God, that the only way that we can not live frustrated lives is being reconnected, reconnected with you, our Heavenly Father. We love you, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things.